Good evening, and thank you all for joining us. It is an honor to be here with you all and to be able to bring you the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, if you are a regular with us, this is where you come, six days a week, 7 p.m. Uh, thank you so much for your faithfulness and um, and supporting this ministry and and for feeding yourself, digging your own well, if you will. Appreciate that. But if you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for taking a little bit of your time to stop the scroll and to give us a listen. We appreciate that. If you would like to uh, sort of get to know us a little bit better, you can go to newarkupc.info. Uh, that's our website. And there you can kind of rummage through all of those cards there and kind of get a better idea of who we are. Uh, you can find photos of the ministerial staff that kind of give you a visual um, uh, representation of who we are. We have tons and tons of archived messages there. Uh, if you want us to know that you stop, you can fill out that I'm new card and share your information with us. And we can add you to our text message uh, notifications and let you know when we're on uh, live and that manner of thing. But thank you for taking the time out to spend with us tonight. This week, we are acknowledging the one year anniversary of our digital campus. We've called this series, Use What Is In Your Hand, because when COVID hit the United States last March, our church had to quickly pivot to an online presence in order to continue to minister to the congregation and to continue the work of God in reaching new people. What was in our hand? We had a basic knowledge of projecting our in-person church services to Facebook and YouTube. Like we had done that for years, but it was on a very basic level. Uh, we had a Facebook account, a YouTube account. We had computers, cameras, nine ministers, and a few techie people, and a lot of creativity. You have heard some of the uh, great stories this past week of men and women in the Bible who had to do just that. They used what was available to them and with the help of God, they accomplish amazing, amazing feats. This evening, I will close out this series with another. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, Lord Jesus. God, we know that you are God for all seasons and that you're not just with us in the good times, but in difficult times as well, Lord Jesus, and that you knew this pandemic was coming and you readied your people, oh God, for what we were gonna face. And you've kept us connected through this time, Lord Jesus. I thank you for every single faithful person who has supported this ministry with their presence and with their giving. Uh, we haven't missed a beat with supporting our missionaries uh, across this world and with uh, meeting our obligations here locally, oh God. We thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of each and every person. I would ask that you would be with us tonight, Lord, that you would minister to us, Lord, to your word and encourage us, oh God, in using what is in our hands to accomplish your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the story that I'm going to bring to you tonight is one that's very familiar. Right? We're going to talk through the story of David and Goliath uh, to make this point of um, using what, what's available to you to accomplish what God has for you to accomplish. And I'm going to pick up at 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17. I'm going to start with verse 1. And it says, The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Sokar and Judah and Asker in Ephes de Mim. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the Valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. 
Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron shear I'm sorry, spearhead that weighed 15 pounds, just the head of the spear. His armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying his shield. So let's stop here for a minute and let's do a little human comparison um, of Goliath and his soon-to-be contender, David. Goliath was, according to what we just read, nine feet tall. Now, I know some tall people. I come from a family of tall people. I'm almost six feet myself, and I'm, and I'm, a, I'm a woman, but you know, my father was you know, 6'3", and so I come from a long line of tall people, so I know about tall people. But nine feet tall? Dude was huge, okay? And not only was he tall, but Goliath had to be pretty buff. And if you don't know what buff means, it means muscular. And I say that because the description said that his coat of mail, this kind of armored top or vest or you know, whatever the deal he was, um, was the weight of an adult. Like I know adults that are 125 pounds. So it's like he was wearing another person on the top of him. And that didn't include the weight of his helmet and his uh, leg armor and, and all that jazz. So the fact that he was wearing that and, and seemingly not having any problem with it tells you that John, that Goliath was, he was a big dude. He was strong and he was a skilled warrior. And we know that because he was considered a champion from Gath. Okay, and we know everybody was scared. I'm sure it was his size, but he also probably had a reputation. Uh, and so Goliath had skill on his side as well. Now, let's look at David. We have a description of David from 1 Samuel 16, 12, and I'm reading to you from the message. And it's a very short description. And we have this description from when Saul went to anoint uh, one of uh, Jesse's sons as the next king of Israel. And in that description, it says, now, David was... The very picture of health, this is 1 Samuel 16 and 12, the KJV says ruddy, right? He was bright-eyed and good-looking. Okay, that's what you want in a warrior. Okay, I'm being funny. But no, really, that's not really the attribute you're looking for if you're looking for somebody to beat this big, strong, ugly giant. Okay, he was handsome is pretty much what they say about David. But what did David have that would be useful in defeating such an enemy? David had what I call heart, right? not a physical heart. You know, we all have that. But I mean, he had heart. David was brave and David was courageous. Uh, David also had some experience. Uh, he had experience with fighting strong enemies, if you will. And we'll read about that as we, as we go along. He references a lion and a bear. And those two are nothing to scoff at. Because lions are not as large as bears, but they are forced to be reckoned with. Bears are absolutely massive as well. But David had also what might be the most important thing of all. David had faith in God, whose weapons are effective beyond human comprehension. Okay, so I'm just laying out. Let's compare David. Let's compare Goliath. 
And so let's go to the scriptures. And I think you'll um, be able to clearly see what I mean when I say that he had heart. He had experienced defeating these prior enemies and he had faith in God. And picking back up at verse 31, it says, Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. So in between this description of the battle, there's a little story here that I don't want to focus on too much. But David comes down uh, to the battle to bring his brother some food. And he sees this Philistine, you know, taunting the Israelite armies and, and challenging them. And he's like, who, who, you know, who is this who's defying the armies of the living God? And David, you know, he's just all riled up. And, and so somebody goes back to King Saul and reports to King Saul what David was questioning. Like, what, you know, what's, what's the man get that's going to take this, this big ugly giant down? Uh, and so verse 32 says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I will go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. So you see, Goliath had a reputation. He'd been fighting since he was a boy, if you will. And he said, and you're only a boy now with, with very little experience. But here's how David came back. Verse 34. He says, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it and club it and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears. And I'll go out to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. There you go. That's what I mean when I say David had heart. So much so that Saul finally consented. And he goes, all right, you got this, right? Go ahead and may the Lord be with you. Verse 38 picks up and says, then Saul gave David his own armor a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. David's in this big clunky stuff. And I imagine David being a much smaller dude because we not only got a description of Goliath from earlier, and we got some of, somewhat of a description of David, but earlier when Saul was um, first being sought out to be king of Israel, the first king of Israel, we also got a description of him. That said he was head and shoulders above the rest. So Saul was a tall man. So here we have David in this, you know, big armor and this whole get up. And, and he says at the end of this, it's more, um, he had never worn such things before. Again, David wasn't a man of war at this point. And then David protests and he goes, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. And he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd's pet bag. Then he then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Verse 41 says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David, that you come to me with a stick. So remember, David had this staff that they talked about earlier. And Goliath is incensed because you don't bring a stick to a battle like this. Like this is not some little 
fight between two little boys here, right? You don't bring a stick out to fight against this, you know, trained giant warrior. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. In other words, Goliath was saying, dude, what are you doing? I mean, I'm a very visual person as I'm reading and I'm just, I'm picturing this big giant coming out and, you know, preceding this event, you have these two armies on both sides of this valley and they are afraid, these, these big grown and some of those men were obviously skilled warriors who were afraid to come out and then finally the one with the heart comes out and he's this little ruddy dude, you know, he's a little handsome little cute fella with a stick. So Goliath's like, dude, what are you doing? A stick is not a weapon for a warrior. You're not going to accomplish anything with that. I'm not sure that's what Goliath was thinking. In this case, it was David's enemy who downplayed his chosen weapons or the way David was approaching the task at hand. But such ridicule and negativity can come from friendly sources as well. Remember, we're talking about using what we have to do what needs to get done, and in particular, in the church. So the church community, unfortunately, can be very dogged and, and negative about, um, or should I say fixated on the way things should be done. Meaning there's like one way to do things or the way it's supposed to happen. And if you don't have this or if you don't have that, then then you're not doing it right. Like we get very fixated on these narrow ways of thinking that it has to be this way or that way. And uh, many times, there I say most times, that's not true. There are usually several ways to get to the goal, and most often, it's by means of what you have already, something you already have. Let's get back to the story of David and Goliath in verse 45. It says, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds of the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give it to us. Verse 48 says, and Goliath moved closer to attack and David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out his stone, he hurled it. I imagine David just swinging that baby. Like you going down today, right? He hurled it with his sling and it hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. Mm-mm-mm. I had to interject here a little saying from my mama for a moment. My mama had this saying, well, there's times probably in every kid's life where you scared of somebody who want to beat you up and you use the fact that they're big, you know, as your defense for why you won't defend yourself. My mama had this saying, the bigger they come, the harder they fall. Well, in this case, uh, Goliath being this big, massive giant, I'm sure when he hit that ground, it was a boom, a huge thud as he, as he, as David took him down. Verse 50 says, so David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over 
and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and David used it to kill him and to cut off his head. Now, David didn't use the things that he wasn't familiar with. He used what he had obviously used before, a sling and some rocks. And the fact that he chose five smooth stones tells us that by experience, he had figured out that smooth stones work best or at least better than others in a sling. Again, pointing to the fact that there was something he was familiar with. He used what he what he had. So what can we learn from this story about using what is in your hand? Or to put it more plainly, using whatever you have to do the work of God, even to overcome or to deal with seemingly you know, insurmountable tasks. Getting back to this being the anniversary of um, you know, the U.S. shutdown in COVID-19, you know, when COVID shut us down, we used our basic understanding of recording, our understanding of social media, our individual and collective creativity to build a digital campus that kept us all connected and well-fed, right? We weren't barely fed, right? We didn't, even, we didn't even stick to the usual, you know, sort of two times a week services. We went in. We gave you guys six days a week. When I first heard that proposal, I was going, oh, I was mortified, right? I was mortified at the thought of um, recordings and it, it's whole you know, sort of in your face business the way we do. And then the idea of it being six days a week absolutely terrified me. Okay, but we used our creativity, um, you know, to build this this campus. And we we went above and beyond what we could have done, what we could have uh, done just based on what we had. Uh, had we not connected this way, this pandemic could have wiped us out, meaning as a church. I mean, the, lots of churches have been devastated not having any um, way to pivot in this way to, to an online presence. They just had to simply shut down. So here we are. Right, we're still standing strong. Over 300 broadcasts and one year later. Think about that. We we put out over 300 messages this past year, right? And what we found out is that what we had was enough. So there's a few things that we can learn from this um, in general about um, how we need to look at things. First of all, we need to stop comparing. Right. You don't have to do the things the same way as someone else or the way some other church does it. Right. We're really bad about that in church at times. Right. We set these artificial standards for how things ought to get done. And let me tell you, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Figure out the goal and use whatever you do have to reach that goal. Right. The same thing applies to these ideal qualifications. Right? Sometimes we think, well, if I'm not this and I'm not that, then I can't do it. If you are willing, God will make you able. I'm going to say that one more time. If you are willing, God will make you able, if that's his will for you. Find out what his will for you is and go at it with who you are. What is in your hand? Your availability, your personality, whatever skills you may have whatever you can learn, whatever human resources that you can rally. And you may even have a little technology, you know, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Right? You, you have more than you think you have. Start with what you have and go at it. Also, don't try to use someone else's methods. 
Right. In the case of David, for example, he, you know, he, he's trying to, he, well, David, Saul wanted him to use his armor and, and sword. And, and, you know, it's a good chance, like David trying to wear Saul's armor, that somebody else's methods, they just won't fit. God has made each person and each congregation unique. Lean into that uniqueness and see what God will do. Stop looking around, right? Look to God. Look within. Look at, look at what's at what is at hand? What do you have within your grasp that you can use to accomplish what God wants you to? And lastly, remember, God is the only one we rely on. Right? He's He's who we rely on. Right? So these things that we're not doing, that we're doing, it's, it, we're not um, solely leaning to our own devices to do these things. Right? This this battle is not flesh and blood. David David said that. Right? This battle is the Lord's. The things that we're facing, um, the work that we're doing, this is all at God's initiation, and He's the one who is with us. That stone didn't take Goliath down. Right? It was God that ultimately made it happen. He used what He worked through what David had. Maybe I'll put it that way. Uh, to accomplish the goal. And so it's okay. He's the one who empowers us. He's the one who blesses our efforts. He's the one that directs our stones, if you will, to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. He is who has given you whatever is in your hand. Use it. It's enough. And when more is needed, he will supply it. You can you can bank on that. What you have is enough. And when more is needed, God will supply it. Well, I'm going to pause right there. I think that's enough. I think you guys have had a lot to chew on this past week. And I hope that you are encouraged. And I hope you start looking around uh, at yourself and your own skills and your own talents and your own abilities and look at, your, at the team around you and saying, hmm, what can I do with this for the kingdom of God? God bless you all and have a wonderful night.